And here comes another one for the Oklahoma Sooners. We'll talk about the most recent commitment here on Locked On Sooners Live and what are the top storylines ahead of fall camp. We'll discuss that with you after this. You are Locked On Sooners, your daily podcast on the Oklahoma Sooners. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. What's up, Sooner Nation? Welcome to Locked On Sooners Live. Tonight's episode is brought to you by LinkedIn. LinkedIn gets you all the top candidates that you want to talk to faster. It's a high-stakes wager for your small business every time you're trying to find a new employee. That's why LinkedIn Jobs helps you find the right people for your team faster and for free. Post your job for free at linkedin.com slash college. Terms and conditions apply. My name is John Williams. You can follow me on Twitter at John9Williams. My buddy here is Josh Helmer. You can follow him on Twitter at Josh on Ref. You can also hear him Monday through Friday from 9 to noon on 94.7 The Ref in Norman. And it is our weekly live show here on YouTube Monday nights, 9 p.m. Central Time. Make sure you're here every week throughout the year for our live show. Be a part of the chat. Subscribe to the show wherever you get your podcasts. Josh, we got a commitment to talk about. These live shows have been quite fruitful this summer where we usually get one on a, on a Sunday or a Monday. Michael Patterson McDonald, the rivals four-star safety prospect out of Westmore High School, Moore, Oklahoma. I love this kid. This is a kid that you look at, and the best thing I can say about him is he plays above his weight class. He's not the biggest dude, 5'10", 180, but he plays like a guy that's 6'1", 210. He's he plays with a reckless abandon. He's aggressive. He's physical. I'm a big fan of this guy. And I know that people want to make the connections to another prospect or two in the recruiting class. But this guy standalone by himself is a worthwhile addition to the Oklahoma Sooners 2024 recruiting class. I mean, come on, which uh, prospects could you possibly be uh, referring to? Maybe somebody. <laughs> right. Yeah, obviously. Uh, he was asked about uh, David Stone, by the way, uh, after committing uh, as well tonight and had some uh, interesting comments about that. But you're right. Michael Patterson McDonald, obviously uh, of his own merit. Uh, he is a, a big time pickup. And we, you know, so many times we understandably get upset as Sooner fans, as Sooner reporters, uh, when homegrown talent doesn't stay home. And in the case of Michael Patterson McDonald, obviously you've got a hard-hitting safety from Westmore High School that is uh, only getting better as he goes along. And, you know, being a, a track star guy the way that Michael Patterson McDonald is, yeah, I like that from Jimmy right there. He reminds me of a young trouble, talking about DeLaren Turner yell. I, I can see a little bit of that comparison for Michael Patterson McDonald. Because he's a track guy, John, he, uh, you know, obviously will continue to add weight as the focus becomes, I think, entirely football versus like, hey, how can I go uh, run as quick of a 200 as I can possibly run? And hopefully, you know, you keep that uh, track speed and everything too. But it's an exciting pickup. It's uh, a pickup that we thought was in route for Oklahoma. But, hey, now we have commitment number 17 officially. Yeah, he's just a playmaker. And I think the, the DTY comparison is pretty apt because, again, a playmaking safety, somebody who's going to hit hard. And again, he jumps like he's a really good long jumper too. He jumped like 21, nine this spring uh, for Westmore on the track and field circuit. So the dude's just an athlete. And I think, yeah, you may not, he may not be like your free safety of the future, but I think as a box safety, you add a little bit of weight to him or even as a slot safety or slot corner, somebody that you can play out there in nickel. I think he's a very intriguing prospect in that way because he is willing to come downhill and play in the run game. He is able to jump up and you know bat down passes, pick off passes. He's able to play in coverage. He just does everything really, really well. And again, a very, very nice addition to what is going to be another nice secondary group for Brandon Hall and Jay Valai as they recruit together. You know, they've got Jeremiah Newcomb, the four-star cornerback out of Arizona. You got Jaden Hardy, the four-star safety out of Louisville, Texas. And then now you got Michael Patterson McDonald, a four again, a rivals four-star prospect uh, out of Westmore. And I think you're right. You hit the nail on the head, man. Anytime that you can get 
the best athletes in your state, I think it's a plus. Now, again, you might look at 247 Sports and On3, and you might not like where he's rated, but again, trust the evaluations of the coaching staff, trust the athletic prowess of the kid, and and again, he plays above his weight class, and I think he's got a little bit of that dog in him, and I know we throw that a lot, around a lot, but this this is one of those kids that plays with a reckless abandon, and he brings an edge to the football field. And that's something I think transitioning from the Alex Grinch era to the Lincoln Riley, or sorry, not Lincoln, Riley, to the Brent Venables era, excuse me, everybody, sorry, but transitioning from Alex Grinch to Brent Venables, you need more guys that play with a physical edge and kind of a mean streak in your defense. I don't think they had enough of that last year, which is part of the reason they were able to get pushed around a bit. I think what we're starting to see though, is a slow addition, you know, slowly by slowly adding guys that play with a bit of a mean streak and not just like the, the Perry on Winfrey. I'm kind of crazy mean streak, but the, no, I'm coming out here and I'm going to hit you hard and you're going to feel my presence out here on the football field. So I think that's another just kind of underrated aspect of what Michael Patterson McDonald brings to the Oklahoma Sooners is again, adds that edge similar to like a Reggie Pearson, you know, a Reggie Pearson. That's why that's such a big addition and a big pickup is you bring somebody that brings a physical presence to your secondary. Michael, he does the same thing. Yeah, and I again, I love the okay. You've you've gone and you know dating back to the previous class, you've uh, went and gotten a Jaden Rowe right in your defensive backfield out of uh, Union. You've gone and gotten Robert Spears Jennings and Gentry Williams out of Booker T. Uh, obviously, right here you you talk about somebody from Westmore. So I just think it's it's exciting as an Oklahoma fan that these uh, close-to-home prospects in OKC, in Tulsa, Oklahoma is uh, is getting these guys. Uh, you know, and, you know, if you get into the, okay, four-star here, but a three-star elsewhere, how about, you know, in Eric McCarty out of McAllister, Oklahoma? And then uh, obviously right here for Michael Patterson-McDonald. I think one thing that we hear a lot from OU fans is, if uh, and I don't know that I would even put Michael Patterson McDonald necessarily in this camp because again he is a blue chipper depending on uh, where you look, John. But if you want to take a chance on a guy, let's take a chance on a guy from the Sooner State. I think a lot of people like that and uh, somebody that understands what it means to be an Oklahoma Sooner. Michael Patterson McDonald gets it. I uh, I wasn't out there at the commitment ceremony tonight, but you know obviously being. Uh, being somebody that's right here in Westmore and Oklahoma City, a lot of media were there, and uh, the feedback you get is a bunch of his bunch of his teammates were there. Obviously, a ton of media, and, and the family was there. So you like that element to it, to where the uh, the the family being a part of it was important to Michael Patterson McDonald, and uh, just from. One of the folks that works for us on the KRF Sports TV side, which is our high school streaming, I know that Michael Patterson McDonald, as soon as the commitment was done tonight, John, one of the first things he did was get on his social media channel, I think his Facebook page, and just thank everybody for coming out and being a part of his commitment ceremony and supporting him, which, you know, not that that's totally unique, but I just think that that's a cool little wrinkle and speaks to his character. Yeah, he's going to be a guy that's, I think, it becomes a fan favorite amongst Sooner fans because he's a local product. I mean, he's just right up, right up 35 from Norman. You know, he's going to, he's going to draw the, the passion and attention of Oklahoma Sooners fans every time he's out there making a play uh, similar to a guy like a Drake Stoops or, you know, a Gavin Freeman, these guys that are local products that end up becoming playmakers for the Sooners. So a big time commitment for the Sooners. I, I love it. I'm excited about it. As soon as they offered him, I don't know, it was a few months back when they offered him and I watched him on huddle. I was like, yes, please get this dude in your secondary. Because again, playmaker, game changer, physical presence. You got to have as many of those kind of guys as you can get in your secondary as you, again, transition away from speed D, speed D. You didn't see my quotations, but you got you to gotta get a physical D. You got to get a nasty defense if you want to compete at the highest level. So uh, coming up, we're going to talk about the top storylines in fall camp. We asked a few of you on discord, what you thought of it. If you're not in the discord channel yet, I'm going to drop the link here uh, in the chat here in a second. And you can join our discord channel or you can talk Oklahoma Sooners football with us 
anytime you want. You don't got to wait for the live show every Monday night, but you can drop a question in there anytime you want. You can talk Oklahoma softball, football, baseball, basketball, whatever you want to talk about is there in the Discord channel. But first, we're going to talk to you about our friends over at eBay Motors for a championship team. It's all about making sure every player is a perfect fit. It's the same when it comes to your vehicle. Every part needs to fit just right. So the next time you need parts and accessories, head to eBay Motors. With eBay Guaranteed Fit, you can be sure every part you need fits right the first time around. Just add your ride to My Garage and look for the green check to know that the part will fit or your money back. Because just like in sports, confidence is the name of the game when you shop on eBay Motors. And with over 122 million parts to choose from, you'll be back in the game in no time. After all, it's easy to bring bring home a win when the right parts are guaranteed. Get the right parts, the right fit, and the right prices on ebaymotors.com. Let's ride. eBay guaranteed fit only available to U.S. customers. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. So, Josh, top storylines entering fall camp. The one that I keep seeing pop up quite a bit is wide receiver. And it's, it's one that we've kind of talked about several times, but it, it is a big question mark, I think, still. As, as high as I am on Jer- Jalil Farouk and with the season that I think he's going to have, he still has to go out there and show that he is who I think he is, which is a legit number one wide receiver that's capable of putting up over 1,000 total yards and being the leader in the passing game. Sure, and uh, I think that's a, a legitimate uh, question to have about this team. Probably at wide receiver, that isn't uh, crazy to say, right? But the number one wide receiver is not your number one concern for Oklahoma. It's really just the the top-to-bottom depth at wide receiver, though. Again, I think that's uh, a fair remark or question to have about uh, Jalil Farouk. But which one of these transfer guys? steps up and Andrell Anthony, a Brennan Thompson, one of those guys, are they ready to step in and be difference makers for Oklahoma? How about the, the previous years transfer guys, John, what about a a Hester or an LV Bunkley Shelton? Again, question mark, question mark uh, in that regard, Uh, Drake Stoops again, you know, opposite Jaleel Farouk would be, and maybe, even uh, based off the, the comment you made to start the conversation here, John, maybe Jaleel Farouk, you don't even put in the, hey, we know what we're going to get category because in terms of a number one guy, maybe we don't know that. So maybe Drake Stoops is the one commodity that is sort of a, a known commodity out of this wide receiver room. Uh, think we know what we're going to get, right? Drake Stoops is going to go catch 30 passes for you and he's going to be reliable when throwing the football in in key situations for OU. Beyond that, okay, Gavin Freeman saw one nice touchdown a season ago. Is is he ready to elevate things? DJ Graham slides over from the defensive side of the football. It's a storyline that I'd love to see happen for this team, but again, eh, don't know about it. Nick Anderson, Jaden Gibson, couple of guys that were the highly recruited names in last year's class. We're waiting for either one of those two guys to click. So, yeah, I mean, if you look at wide receiver in terms of camp storylines and you're saying, okay, this is the the biggest one, it's not, uh, it's not unusual to have that take, John. That is a popular take. And, oh, by the way, I feel like fall camp in some ways sort of lends itself toward we maybe have the best chance to find out in fall camp, okay, one wide receiver is going out there, catching a bunch of footballs, making guys miss, and, and making things happen in fall camp. Whereas, like, offensive line at times, total crapshoot. Uh, we're, not, we're not necessarily going to know. Defensive line, okay, we'll hear bits and pieces. But, again, I don't know that we'll have any defined answers along the defensive line. But we're going to try, right? Throughout fall camp, we're going to try. Wide receiver is the position group to where I feel like, okay, if somebody's out there making plays, John, I think we're going to hear about it in fall camp. Yeah, we will. And here's here's my favorite phrase to consider whenever you're thinking of NFL training camp, college football fall camp. And it's one that Brandon Drum uses when he's talking about, or he, he writes his article, Drumbeat, every week, right? Listen for that drumbeat. Who is making consistent plays out there in fall camp? Who are the guys that are creating the most buzz on a day-to-day basis? I mean, a guy can have a great day one day and then a terrible day the next day, and then you don't really hear much about him the rest of the camp, but everybody just remembers the great day he had. 
And then they wonder, well, why is he not getting more opportunities? Well, maybe because he wasn't having continuously really good days. So listen for the drum beat. Listen for the guys that are consistently, you know, making noise, standing out. Now, I'm not sure how much the media is going to be able to watch practice this fall. Uh, it, it seems like it might be a little bit limited, but there will be times where people are going to be able to be out there. I'm, I'm not sure if we'll find an answer at wide receiver two all year. Maybe it might be late in the season because it's so deep the number of guys that are going to be competing for snaps opposite Jaleel Farouk and Drake Stoops. I mean, it's, it's like you can name eight guys that it could be. And then you're like, okay, who's going to emerge? Well, I mean, one guy could emerge one week and then the next week it's somebody else. And the next week it's somebody different. So it'll be really, really fascinating. And I, and I even think that some of it could be matchup dependent. They might decide, Hey, you know what? This week, Brennan Thompson is a better outside option than Jaden Gibson or then Andrew Anthony or, you know, insert another name, DJ Graham, or this week we need somebody who's a little bit more of a physical presence. So we're going to go with a bigger body like a Jaden Gibson. So it'll be really fascinating to see, but I, I do think that they find an answer. I just don't know if we'll know that even through the first couple of weeks of non-conference, I, I think we might really not kind of like we saw with the bill beaten offensive line. I think it was back in 2020 where it, it didn't really take shape until maybe a few games into the season. And then they really had a solidified starting five that they rolled with the rest of the way. I think that could be the, the same way this year where, okay, you got Jaleel, you got Drake, and then wide receiver two or outside wide receiver two is going to be just kind of a revolving door until somebody just really takes the reins and says, nah, this is my job. And that could be, I think, a few weeks into the season. Yeah, it will be uh, fascinating to watch th this battle and series of battles unfold because again you know you look at what oklahoma did in the the signing class right well you thought you had a uh, keon brown and obviously uh situations have changed for oklahoma but uh, you know that you've got petaway in this class and wide receiver is a position john not uh not even just the way that it stacks up in terms of hey if you can go uh, run and catch a football or catch a football and run after the catch and make guys miss and are, you know, together enough to, to pick up the play playbook quickly that it sort of just lends itself to, okay, you can step right in a wide receiver and play college football. We've seen it at OU over the last, however many years. And I kind of, uh, go back to my formative years on the OU beat and think about Kenny Stills and what he did as soon as he stepped on campus at Oklahoma. And I'm sure other folks in the chat can think of uh, other names even prior to, uh, to Kenny Stills, guys that stepped in and were difference makers. So CeeDee Lamb obviously has been that guy. Uh, uh, Hollywood Brown, uh, just as soon as, as he gets uh, to Oklahoma, impact guy. D.D. Westbrook, I mean, there's a number of different guys that, you know, pretty quickly – get to Norman, and it's like, okay, wow, this guy's going to go make plays for OU. So I think Petaway can be that guy. I think the transfers that you brought in, both Andrew Anthony and Brennan Thompson, can be those guys just in part because, John, the position lends itself to that. We've seen that happen at OU. And, oh, by the way, somebody's got to go catch the football from Dylan Gabriel. Yeah, and the good news is they've got a lot of options. It's just a matter of figuring out which of those options is going to emerge and end take that step to becoming a really good player. I mean, even if it's just a Charleston Rambo from a few years back or now the name Lee, Lee, uh, Lee, TD Lee. No, not CD Lee Lee. Oh, I'm bringing, I'm blanking Lee Morris, Lee Morris. I mean, he, he kind of had some really solid performances as, as a secondary option for the Sooners. And that's really what you need. Like, you know, if, if Jalil Farouk is who I think he is, then what we need is a good secondary option who's able to make the play when he's called upon. You know, you may not get 60 targets, but if you get 40 of them, that you come down with 30 of them and you're efficient in your, your target share. The other question that somebody dropped in our Discord channel, that as we just asked the question, what are the top storylines that people have going into fall camp? Jay asks, which back becomes running back one? Now, Josh, I think this isn't necessarily a top storyline because I think they're so deep at running back that you might have a RB one, a one B one C one D. I mean, this thing is so deep 
that it could potentially be Oklahoma's best position group for 2023. And it could be Javante Barnes one week. It could be Gavin Sawchuk one week. It, you know, Tawi Walker had a really nice performance in the spring game. He might lead the Sooners one week. It's just going to be interesting to see how that one kind of comes together as the season goes on too. Well, and the way this thing has broken out the last couple of years with DeMarco Murray as, as your running backs coach, I don't even know that it was necessarily by design, John, but uh, it's kind of played out the way that Oklahoma's had a number one running back, even as much as, and I think probably now more than ever. And like I said, I don't know that that was by design. I don't think that necessarily it was, but a couple of years ago, you got somebody that just goes and wins the job as the season goes along. And then uh, even last year going into the thing, you, you, Kind of because it was early on supposed to be a one-two punch thing the year before, and Eric Gray didn't really take it and run with that, no pun intended. You kind of had some hesitation maybe last year going into the thing, and then lo and behold, even as much as Javante Barnes uh, got a ton of run last season for OU, it it was Eric Gray in, in large part, right? So, again, I don't know that that's by design. The last couple of seasons for Oklahoma, I think it's just sort of the way that each of the past two seasons trajectories played out for OU. But Oklahoma, DeMarco Murray has shown, John, that once they get comfortable with the guy, yes, there could be a defined number one running back. And, you know, I think right now you probably just based on the way 2022 played out would put most of your chips into the Javante Barnes basket. But, man, you know me, man. I, uh, I've i been buying up, scooping up as much Gavin Sawchuck stock as I can find, and I'm still leaning that direction. And I also, will, I, I also feel like this is maybe the year that, okay, you've had these defined number ones, John, and maybe this year it truly becomes, okay, we've recruited this thing to the way. And both of these guys, Barnes and Sawchuck, because they came in the same signing class or on that similar development trajectory. I think this could be the year where the timeline sort of just worked themselves out to where, okay, you've got two guys that you feel really good about. And maybe there isn't a defined number one. Yeah. And I, and I think Hank makes a great point here on Gavin Sawchuck, where if he has a 200 yard game, it'll be hard to limit his touches. I mean, Gavin Sawchuck's one of those dudes that could have a 200 yard game on like seven carries just because he's so explosive and he's got such great speed that he can break away uh, from the defense. And given that Javante Barnes has missed, I mean, he missed most of spring or if not all of spring and has had to start, you know, getting geared back up this summer. It's possible that, you know, Gavin Sawchuk could have kind of taken over as the RB one on the depth chart. um, As we head into fall camp, you just don't know where things stand at, you know, how the coaches, evaluate spring performance and if they even you know associate or assign you know positions on the depth chart this early in the in the game or in this early in the offseason but uh it's certainly possible that gavin sachuk has the better year because he's a more explosive player javante barnes can definitely hit a big play on you but i mean gavin sachuk he's got the ability to take a pass you know a five yard pass for you know 50 yards he can take you know a handoff and break it outside and, and be down the sideline in a hurry he's just got that elite speed that it's hard. It's going to be hard to keep off the field. And, and again, Jimmy's mentioned it here this year, it'll be thunder and lightning. And I think you're right. You're going to have a bit of both. And it's good to have those change of pace backs um, where you have a little bit of a Samaj P Ryan, Joe Mixon thing going on. And maybe a little bit different because you have, you know, Javante is not as big as Samaj and Gavin Sawchuk's not as big as Joe Mixon, but they're going to have that type of potential where they can, they can have those type of games where both of them, like in the cheese it bowl, both of them have hundred total yards or hundred rushing yards. And I think given the wide receiver issues that we talked about, and I've mentioned this on the show before, given the wide receiver issues, I think they'll lean heavily on the run until they figure out kind of what the wide receiver hierarchy, the target distribution is going to look like. It's going to be a lot of run game and you're going to see 35 carries in a game, especially early in the season in the non-conference where you're going up against Arkansas state. I mean, against Arkansas state, they could probably run it 50, 60 times and probably never have to throw a pass uh, against, you know, SMU and, and against Tulsa, you're going to see them run the football a lot. One, not to give away too much of the, of the playbook as they go into big 12, the big 12 schedule, but 
one to, to help take some of the pressure off the passing game with question marks at wide receiver and make the job a little bit easier on the offensive line as you're trying to, again, fit together a whole bunch of new pieces, which brings us to our next question, our next kind of topic. And you bring that up. You, you beat me to it, Josh. Jimmy's saying, I'm hoping our new players on the OL will break out. Yeah. And that's, that's going to be a big key uh, to this season is how well Walter Rouse takes over at left tackle and becomes the experienced veteran that he is supposed to be again a guy that's missed a lot of the offseason because of an injury you're hoping that he's going to be able to step in use that experience at stanford his ability to run block to to benefit and and be kind of the the guy that helps lead the way in this new offensive line where you're having to turn over three-fifths of your starting group from last year if you and by the way, Sooner Media Day uh, will be tomorrow. If you had a couple of questions for Coach Biedenbow, what what would the first couple of questions in your mind be? How healthy is Walter Rouse? Okay. And how is the guard competition shaping out, shaping up? Like, has anybody emerged? Because I feel like we don't really have many answers at guard. We've got a lot of guys, and I think – you know, you have McCade Mattire coming back, but I think a lot of people are expecting maybe somebody else to take over at one of the guard spots and him kind of sit on the bench. You brought Caleb Schaefer in who I think at the time, many thought, okay, he's going to be one of your starters, but then Savion bird. I mean, he looks superhuman uh, just with his physique and he had a really nice cheese it bowl game from a run blocking perspective. And then you got Caden green who got a lot of snaps in the, in the off season that could end up getting playing time at guard. So it's very fascinating you know, kind of position battle at both left and right guard. I don't think there's necessarily an answer there right now. Caden Green, will there be a discussion you think about the youngster? Oh, uh, 100% there will be. And he's actually expected to uh, appear at uh, OU Media Day on Tuesday. So there, and then I asked my guys in Sooners why I said, okay, how many questions do you think he'll get asked about Williams Moneri? And uh, the answer was four. So I'll, I'll be keeping track of that one too. But yeah, I mean, there's going to be a lot of discussion about Caden Green because he got so much opportunity in the spring due to offensive line injuries, and he's such a talented dude that could potentially step in and start right away like an Anton Harrison did his true freshman year back in 2020. I think interior offensive line, and you you mentioned this with guards, just interior offensive line in general for me, which is crazy to say, right? Because here you're replacing a couple of uh, NFL offensive tackles, uh, obviously in Anton Harrison and Wanye Morris. And yet, I don't know, I guess I'm just hook, line, and sinker here for this uh, Tyler Guyton and Walter Rouse are going to step right in. And, oh, by the way, by years in, these are going to be a couple of NFL guys in their own right. I guess I'm hook, line, sinker, bought into that notion. And so for me, coming out of the spring game, you know this, John, I uh, – and people told me, hey, don't freak out. Folks were injured and, you know, relax. Uh, R-E-L-A-X, relax. But that was kind of the one area for me to where I was like, eh, I don't like what I saw from the offensive line in the spring game. And a lot of that was because of, yeah, the interior offensive line. So how is all of that shaping up? I love what we saw from Savion Bird in the bowl game. I mean, he just looks like to me, John, that he's got the uh, definition of I'm going to go try and rip somebody's helmet off in all of the, the best kind of ways where I'm right. not getting uh, you know penalties and so on and so forth. So I'm excited about what the potential looks like there. Rame, uh, I feel like we've had that conversation before and probably a lot of people uh, have had that conversation on a lot of different forums about, okay, when when does the light bulb totally click on for Andrew Rame as this next great Oklahoma center timeline wise, if it was going to happen, uh, how about right now, this would be the year there. And so then obviously what you did uh, out of the portal for uh, Schaefer and Taylor's now older and somebody just commented there, you went and got Troy Everett too. So yeah, the interior of the offensive line, John is uh, it's pretty intriguing. Yeah. And you know what? Sometimes the best way to solve a problem is to throw a lot of numbers at it. And they did that. You know, you've, you've got Caleb Schaefer, you brought in Caden Green in the recruiting class, you brought in Troy Everett, you got a group of young, young guys that you like, that you feel good about, you're just waiting for them to take that step. And if, again, if guys emerge like a Savion Bird and he just decides, that's my job, who's going to take it from him? 
I'm not going to try and take a job from him. He'll rip my head off. And you need somebody kind of that's going to be that, that level of nasty, you know, um, <laughs> Hank mentions it. Bird might just be on the wrong side of the ball because he has a nasty DT tendency. No, you want your guards to be like that too, because who are they dealing with the most? The defensive tackles that are generally the nastier of the bunch. So you want a dude on your offensive line that isn't afraid to mix it up a little bit. When Dylan Gabriel gets hit and concussed after he slides in a cheap shot, you you need a guy like Savion Bird on the field to go, yeah, get a 15-yard penalty because he's going to take exception to his quarterback getting hit like that. That's what you want. You want, and, and I saw it in the Cheez-It Bowl. He was instigating stuff, you know, not necessarily to that extent where he's going to go get a 15, but he's like pushing guys after the play, seeing if he can draw himself a 15-yard penalty. He's trying to, he's trying to mess around a little bit, and that's okay. You want it, you want somebody on your team that nobody wants to play against because they just annoy the piss out of you. It reminds me of if anybody's a hockey fan here, Theo Fleury for the Calgary Flames back in the 80s and 90s. I hated watching that dude because he was always an annoying little pest messing with my Kings and, and then my Dallas stars. So, but I mean, Savion bird, like you want a guy that nobody's going to mess with because he's, he's going to give it to you. And then you want somebody that's going to annoy other teams because of just his pestiness. Love it. Bring it on. Save on. Seems like a natural transition from the offensive trenches to the defensive trenches tonight on lockdown Sooners. I think uh, that to me, and I know a lot of people will point to wide receiver offensive line, uh, obviously, uh, you know, easy arguments to be made right there as well. feel like, you know, look, yeah, we're trying to sort out number one running back and maybe even the top couple of running backs though. I would make the argument. I think it's going to be Barnes and Sawchuck trying to figure that out. Jackson Arnold. Okay. Is he going to wow us uh, throughout camp? I think we'll hear some of that, but, to me, the biggest storyline in camp is what about the defensive line? How, how much progress have they made? Spring game, John, was was very encouraging. So as much as I can look at it and say, okay, yeah, offensive line, you know, and people, eh, relax, relax, relax. And, and you're probably right. Defensive line and defense in general, John, for a unit that as many – complaints or frustrations that you, I, many others would have about Oklahoma's offensive line play and where the Sooners offense in key moments was at a season ago. Oh, you put up points. Were they the Joe Moore award-winning offensive line? No, they weren't that. And they still clearly have strides to get to that point. As you think about the here and now, then obviously projecting forward into the sec, but the defensive line and the defense as a whole light years away from where they need to get to John. So because of, you know, really just how last season played out and how poor you were defensively to me, defensive tackle. Okay. Uh, Co Kelly, are these guys that we're going to hear about throughout fall camp that they've taken these gargantuan type leaps and now they're going to be star players. What about uh, some of the other names that you went and got in Paya in Sears out of the, the transfer portal edge guys. Okay. Went and got a bunch of defensive ends, Bothroyd, Ford, what are they? What are they doing throughout fall camp? Uh, Ethan Downs, that's your lone All Big Twelve guy preseason, John. And what does the next step look like for him? So probably a big umbrella, and everybody underneath it come in here, big bodies, a lot of big bodies underneath the umbrella. But that's what I'm most intrigued by. How much has Oklahoma improved? How much legitimate optimism is there with Oklahoma's defensive line throughout fall camp? That's the thing that's going to be the biggest difference between them being a top 122 ranked defense or a top 60 ranked defense. If the pass rush can improve, if the run defense can improve, they'll be a much better defense and a much better team. But unless they're better up front along the defensive line, neither of those things are going to happen. And if you do get an improved Ethan Downs, who did finish the season really strong, I think in the final four games, he had three sacks and four or five and a half tackles for loss had a really strong finish to the big 12 season. If he can, can, can take that, take a step from that and be a six sack guy. That's huge, man. That that's going to help open everything up for everybody else. If trace Ford can return to the guy that he was his freshman and sophomore year at Oklahoma state, that's big for him. That's big for the Sooners. Rondell Bothroyd, 
the guy had 13 sacks over the last two seasons at Wake Forest. If he can be a six, seven sack guy for Oklahoma, absolutely huge. And then up the middle, again, you threw numbers at the problem, but I think one of the, the answers to the solution is going to be Grayson Halton. This is a guy that's just got so much burst. And Jonah Laula, two guys that are coming back, Jordan Kelly, Isaiah Cope, a lot of guys that are coming back that are quick off the snap and are able to get into the backfield. It's just a matter of like everybody putting it all together and coming together and improving as a unit. I think they've got the pieces in place. Now it's just a matter of going and proving it. I think you know you get those necessary steps forward. And then also guys not playing out of position. You've got a Dejon Terry and a Philip Paya who can be your nose tackles, which will allow Jordan Kelly, Isaiah Coe to maybe play more three technique or under tackle where they're not having to line up over the center. Grayson Halton, same thing. He's not having to line up over the center and take on double teams all the time. That's going to open keep them fresher so that when they get to pass rush situations, they'll be able to just get after the quarterback and not have to worry about running, you know, playing run defense for two downs and then rushing the passer. No, they're going to be a fresher unit and be able to get after the passer a little bit better. And I think all in all from the front back to the secondary, it's all going to look better, but these guys up front are going to be much, much better than they were last year. You think uh, a couple of those transfer portal names that OU's brought in are more natural zero and one text. I think, you know, Dejan, obviously, you know, six, two, six, three, 320 pounds, Philip Paya. He's more naturally probably built for that as well. But like a Davin Sears, I think he's probably more of your, your three tech, your under tackle lining up between the guard and the tackle being able to play with more one-on-one situations, but probably could line up over the, over the center as well. Got a little bit of flexibility, but uh, yeah, I think what they tried to do, and this is similar with like a Jacob Lacey as well, is they tried to find, they found a couple guys in Lacey and Sears who I think are versatile, could play both sides of the defensive tackle spot. And then they brought in two guys in Pia and Terry who are probably legitimate nose tackle types that, uh, that again, it opens up everything else that guys aren't having to play out of position as much. From Gunny of Stutzman's army, those front guys getting beefed up is going to help free up Stutzman the aforementioned Mr. Stutzman and Jaron Canick. Those two will wreak havoc. My friends appreciate that. Yeah. Appreciate that Gunny. I had Tony Casillas on the show back in, I want to say it was before the 2021 season. And we were talking defense. We were talking Alex Grinch's defense and the thing he kept, I mean, hall of fame, defensive tackle, right? You know, a legend in the sport. He talks about, you know, if your defensive front is not good, it makes everything harder on everybody else. You got to have, like Gunny says, Chad Littlefield said, you got to be good up front to keep your linebackers clean, let them run and make plays. If they're having to fight through blocks for 60, 70 plays a game, it's going to be hard for them to make the play at the end of the game. But if they're able to play cleaner and just run and hit, that's what a linebacker wants to do. Just like on the offensive line, the offensive lineman wants to run block. The linebacker, he wants to run free and hit. He's a, he's a lion back there. He doesn't want to be slowed down by no trees. He wants to be on the Savannah able to run free. And, and yeah, man, I think Danny Stutzman, Jaron Kanick, Kobe McKenzie, Kip Lewis, uh, Connor near like this big, deep group of, of linebackers, Lewis Carter. We're going to see some Lewis Carter. I, I guarantee it. He's going to get a lot of playing time because Brent Venables is in love with this dude and he's done nothing but impress people since arriving on campus in the weight room. So we're going to see a lot of Lewis Carter, probably some Phil Picciotti as well. This is going to be fantastic. Um, I, I really do think from front to back, the front, the defense front is going to be better. The linebackers are going to be better. The depth across the board is better. So they're all going to be better. You're saying let these uh, cheetahs, let these lions, let them, let them go hunt. Let them go. Uh, let them go roam, baby. Let them go attack right. these backfields. Right. Jonah, Jonah Laulu, I think, is you know an interesting little storyline up front. Uh, it would be nice to see that come together. There's uh, you know somebody that's willing, like DJ Graham, too, right? Uh, you know, we talked about that on the offensive side of the football, but Jonah Laulu defensively to start out on the perimeter and then say, you know what? Yes, coach, you, you need help inside. I've got a chance to help this football team by adding weight and moving inside. There's a, it's, you know, that's just an easy storyline. I think as a fan 
to root for somebody yeah. that's that's willing to make that sacrifice and make that change. And, you know, for either DJ Graham or Jonah Laulu. So we, we've seen that buzz, right, for Laulu. I mean, I, I don't think it's uh, even – even if it's sort of to that point, John, that you've got somebody that as strictly from a leadership standpoint was willing to say, you know what, coach, uh, it, 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 right? Because defensive end edge types, look, what are you what are you on the football field a lot of times in passing situations to do? Let's go rush that quarterback, baby. And I got news for you. It's fun to go rush the quarterback. It's fun to go hit the quarterback and toss that guy aside and create uh, turnovers and all those Defensive tackle, oftentimes not quite the same uh, glamour position along the defensive line. It can be, right? I mean, we, we've talked about that, too, is like the defensive tackle that can go legitimately be a pass rusher is, I mean, that's the guy that's in demand, right? That's the guy that at the next level is making a big old bag of cash. But oftentimes, the large percentage of defensive tackles aren't necessarily that guy. John, right? I mean, they're, hey, I'm willing to go be a space eater and take on double teams and do what we just talked about, which is let let Stutzman and let Canick and let, you know, everybody in the linebacking core go make plays. So I admire Jonah Laulu for being that guy. And even again, to full circle this thing, if it's a little bit of a leadership standpoint for Oklahoma sending him to Big 12 Media Days, I'm hopeful for his sake that it isn't just that, that this staff feels like, yeah, he's going to help them there. I mean, you hear Todd Bates talk about him and he really does feel like he's going to help him that because of his quickness, his agility, his strength, he's going to be able to do a lot against guards that, you know, he wasn't maybe able to do against offensive tackles. You know, he's going to be able to beat guards one-on-one -on -one because of his quickness that uh, maybe didn't translate, but the dude's got a motor that doesn't stop because when he did win, a lot of times he was chasing down stuff from the backside and, you know, all the way across the hash marks and making the play. He's got all the the intangibles that you want in a player. Now it's just finding the right fit for him. And I mean, he's going to be an effective player as a, a defensive tackle. It's just, again, lining him up between the guard and the tackle versus outside the tackle or lining him up, you know, making sure you put him in situations that are going to benefit him and the rest of the team. But I think you're right. He's going to be a, a really, really good player not just from a leadership standpoint, but on the field, he's going to actually contribute significant snaps and big time plays for this Sooners team. Uh, Hank, you know, a lot of people talking about our guy, R. Mason Thomas. I mean, <laughs> this dude was different last year. I mean, nobody had along the defensive line had the juice that he had that looked like a linebacker, but playing defensive end. And now you get him in a second off season with coach Schmidt. And there's just, it's going to be a different player. And he's the guy that I'm really thinking is going to be Oklahoma's next great pass rusher. I've said it multiple times on this show. I'm going to keep doubling down on it that, I mean, eight sacks, I don't think is outside the realm of possibility for him. Uh, some of it's going to depend on the snaps, but I think anytime it's a clear cut pass situation, he's going to be on the field and that's going to create so much havoc for opposing offensive linemen that they're not going to have the, the ability to deal with his speed and his agility. Cole, I, I mean, I wouldn't, I wouldn't hate it, but I do think Ethan Downs brings you kind of that quote unquote dual threat ability to, to stop the run, rush the passer. So you're not really giving up something on, on either side. Maybe he's not as good of a pass rusher as our Mason Thomas is just because of the quickness and the speed. But I think Ethan Downs holds up a little bit better in the running game. So, you know, Right now, as R. Mason Thomas continues to build and transform his body, yeah, yeah, you can get him out there in a lot of situations, but I'd still like Ethan Downs on first down, second down especially, uh, or you know, second and short situations. But if it's second and long, third and long, give me R. Mason Thomas. Give me all the snaps for R. Mason Thomas. Just for the video to audio component here, the comment from Cole, I actually think R. Mason Thomas should start yes. over Ethan Downs, which, uh, look, if that's the case – and that winds up happening, that's that's not the worst problem for Oklahoma because it means that somebody that Oklahoma feels like is pretty good and that, uh, you know, the Big 12 media, you feel how you want to feel about the, the Big 12 media, right? But uh, somebody that the Big 12 media feels like has a chance to be pretty good that R. Mason Thomas went and uh, and beat him out. So it's uh, that's an exciting group, man. The, the edge rushers for Oklahoma and defensive ends collectively – 
what you've done, what you've done to go get Trace Ford and Bothroyd, and then you think about Ethan Downs and and uh, Reggie Grimes. Is there a is there a not a you know a, a return to form story or okay now the light bulb fully clicks on story with Reggie Grimes and then you you think about obviously R Mason Thomas and PJ Adabare. I'm just looking at a recruiting ranking here or there. I mean, the guy's going to be on the field probably, right? I would imagine so. And, and in similar situations to R. Mason Thomas, uh, you know, especially if you get up in these first few games in non-conference, when you get up, I not say if, when you get up in these first few games, they're going to they're gonna put him out there and they're going to test Adipoja Adabare. Get it, let him get his feet wet against college competition and see how much he's, they're going to, be able to rely upon him when it gets to big 12 play, because if you're able to go out there, it's third and 10 and you're able to put our Mason Thomas, Rondell Bothroyd in a defensive tackle, Grayson Halton in at the other defensive tackle spot and add to as your other edge. That's a lot of juice, man. And that's a lot of like guys that can get after the passer. And that's what you need. You need guys that are going to be able to get into the backfield, get the quarterback, not allow him a lot of time and convert those third and longs. That was an issue in 2022. So I do think that he's going to help them. And Brent Venable said as much at big 12 media days. He's like, we probably should have played the young guys more. Okay. You said it. We're going to hold you to it because we agree. You probably should have played the young guys more. Now's your chance to prove it. Adipoju is going to be one of those guys. that's going to get to see the field often because he's just an athletic freak. And he's going to earn his time, earn his spot. Like he's a no nonsense dude. I mean, you don't see him smiling in pictures. He's ready to go to work. He's ready to go play football. He's ready to kill people, not, not kill people. He's ready to crush quarterbacks on the football field. So I, I think we see a lot of him uh, early in the season, especially, but I think he earns the snaps in big 12 play as well. It'd be great news. If that happens for Oklahoma, I just, I'm I'm drunk off uh, one spring game with Peyton Bowen, so I'm I'm already I'm already convinced that he's going to be a star, and uh, I'm convinced it's going to happen pretty quick for him. Though obviously, you know, you think about Billy Bowman, and you think about what you went and added with Reggie Pearson. Uh, I, I like what you've got right there. If that's one and two as your starters, though, again, like I said, I'm I'm uh, I'm drinking up all that uh, spring game Kool Aid with Peyton Bowen, man. I just think that. He, uh, to me, looks like he's got the trappings to be pretty, pretty special at uh, OU, which uh, this is, you know, backing up, I guess, from the secondary of Oklahoma, taking it one level back in front of that, talking, you know, biggest camp storylines as we go in. You know, for me, I, I look at it and I say, who's the other linebacker, right? And, you know, uh, if you want to mix Desan McCullough and Justin Harrington in, okay, we can have the cheetah conversation, which I think is its own fascinating other conversation, John. But, you know, a lot of people I think are like ready to, and understandably so, because we've seen a little bit of, a little bit of flash, a little bit of sizzle with Jaron Canick. But I think it's almost like this foregone conclusion, right? That it's Danny Stutzman and Canick. Is it Danny Stutzman and Canick? I think that's a big storyline in camp. Well, we know for sure it's Danny Stutzman. He's going to be one of your starters at, at the weak side linebacker spot. But then I think at Mike, I mean, there's no telling who it's going to be. And I think it's similar to the wide receiver thing. You've got a lot of guys that it could be. But I do think it, you know, Connor Near, Kobe McKenzie, Jaron Kanick is probably the three that are going to be battling it out to see who gets the, the most opportunities. Uh, but I don't think they're going to hesitate to throw these guys out there on the field because they saw what happened last year when you had Deshaun White and David Aguebu and Danny Stutzman all playing close to a thousand snaps each. I mean, you can't do that. You can't do that to your guys and expect them to stay fresh all year long. So whoever wins the job, they're going to be snaps there for the, the Mike two, the Mike three, because they're going to want to keep them, um, you know, keep them fresher as long as they, uh, as long as they hold up. And, you know, Hank says it, I mean, McKenzie's the classic Mike. I mean, yeah, he's got that size. He's got that build to him. Mechanics, speed, and athleticism is is unreal too. Now, the other side of that coin is that he's still new to the position. He has only been playing linebacker since he got to Oklahoma. He was a safety at high in high school, played some box safety, but you know, he, so he's making that transition to linebacker. But Kobe McKenzie, I mean, he's a ready-built linebacker. Like if you had to go down to Sam's Club and find you a linebacker in bulk, you got it in Kobe McKenzie. So I think there's a good chance that he could end up starting, but I don't think that's 
any knock against Jaron Kanick. I, I think it just means that you've got some really good players. Cause remember Kobe McKenzie was a four-star prospect in his own right. There was this, you know, dramatic recruiting shift between Oklahoma and Texas and then back to Oklahoma after Brent Venables got to, to Norman. So like, this is a highly sought after linebacker in his own right. And so I think it, it's easy to, yes, anoint Canick as the next Mike, but I think Connor near, I mean, Brent Venables was very high on what he had to say about him. Kobe McKenzie has been buzzing all off season as well. So it, it's going to be a great position battle to watch in fall camp to see who emerges. But again, I think you're going to see a lot of guys play at a lot of positions and it's not just going to be one dude playing 80 snaps in a game. You're going to see, you know, your starters get 50, your, your backup get 30 and maybe, or 20. And then your next guy get 10. You're going to see a more of a rotation to keep everybody fresh. The other uh, final question or a couple of questions, I guess that I have here, camp storylines, top uh, camp storylines. It's right here from Jimmy. I hope Harrington has a good year. Is this finally Justin Harrington season? Is it finally time? Does the does all of the hype live up to this moment in this season in 2023? Because again, I mean, it's like every off season, every off season, the last couple of off seasons, it's been, hey, Justin Harrington, look out for Justin Harrington. Have you heard? Have you seen Justin Harrington? And we we haven't uh, watched him verify that or validify uh validate that validify validate that throughout a football season so is is this the year and is this the camp where okay it winds up paying off john i hope so i really do the dude's a really really good athlete and he's really good at playing in space i mean he can make a play Dasan mccullough is also there but again you talk about keeping guys fresh, keeping guys, you know, able to play a game, you know, the whole game play all season long. And you got to have two of each. You got to have two cheetahs, two mics, two wills that you feel comfortable being able to throw out there. And I think at cheetah, you do, you have two guys that you feel really, really good about, you know, as much as people want to talk about Desan McCullough, the coaches are also want to talk about Justin Harrington. And I don't think that's just to be like, yeah, don't forget about Justin Harrington. No, like he's a, he's a really, really good athlete who just has to put it all together, you know? And again, there was a big coaching change. There's a big defensive philosophy shift and, and scheme shift. And so it, it may, this might be the year where it clicks for everybody, whether it's Harrington, Danny Stutzman, who had a really good year, but could have an even better year. Ethan Downs, Billy Bowman, Key Lawrence, like all these guys. I mean, Key Lawrence is on his third, you know, coming into last year, was on his third defensive scheme in three years after transferring from Tennessee. So, sometimes you just got to have an opportunity to just settle in to a system and, and grow. And again, everybody's really high on Justin Harrington and maybe this is the year where it comes together for him. I, I do think that he's going to have an opportunity to show his athletic traits and show that he's a playmaker because again, they're not going to play these guys 70, 80 snaps a game. They're going to rotate them a little bit more and make sure that everybody is fresh. Well, you know, a lot of people, a lot of people would uh, say that, We've buried one of the big leads in terms of top camp storylines for Oklahoma right. from Stephen G. Right here as we approach the finish line on tonight's episode of Locked On Sooners. Nothing Appreciate but a you guys. G thing. That's right. Uh, always uh, oh, from Stephen. Uh, seeing the quarterback beside Woody Washington is going to be a lot of fun. And a lot of people, John, when you talk about biggest storylines in camp, if it's not wide receiver, it's corner, right? I mean, that's where a lot of people are are looking at. For me, it's like, what am I most intrigued by? Uh, probably defensive line and a couple of other storylines. But collectively, what are Oklahoma fans most interested in? Or what should they be most interested in? I can understand where corner in general or corner opposite Woody Washington, John, would be right toward the top of that list. Well, and this goes back to our conversation from a little bit ago. If the defensive front is better, the pass rush is better, your corners are going to be better. If the quarterback has all kinds of time to sit back there, it doesn't matter if you've got Jalen Ramsey or Deion Sanders back there. If you give a quarterback five seconds to throw, Deion's toast. It don't matter. But the pass rush is going to be better, and so I think the cornerbacks are going to be better too. But I also think that the talent that they've got at the cornerback position is better than what it was a year ago. And yeah, I know Gentry Williams was here. Uh, you know, Jaden Rowe was here. 
Woody was here, but you know, you're relying on Jaden Davis a lot. And again, a solid player with a solid floor. You knew what you were getting out of Jaden Davis. It was never going to be spectacular, but it was always solid. But Gentry Williams, Josiah Wagner, Makari Vickers, Kendall Dolby, they give you an opportunity to have spectacular, Jacoby Johnson, spectacular cornerback play because of their athleticism, because of their physicality, because of the edge in which a guy like Gentry Williams plays with. It gives you the opportunity. A guy, a hard worker like Wagner, you know, it gives you an opportunity to, yes, they're younger guys with less experience than a Jaden Davis or CJ Colden, but they're just better players. And so you might have some, some games where Gentry gets burnt a time or two. Sometimes you just got to live with it and let him grow. But you're also going to get opportunities to see why he was the top player in the state of Oklahoma and the top player in Oklahoma's 2022 recruiting class because he's a fantastic player. On Josiah Wagner, I mean, the buzz has been there since the guy got on campus. And Brent Venables, again, we talk about guys that he's been hyping up all offseason. Josiah Wagner is one of those guys. And he's just been making plays out there on the practice field, doing all the work in, in the weight room, in the meeting rooms, just impressing people all the way around. I think he's probably a better candidate to, to contribute as a slot cornerback or a nickel cornerback when Oklahoma goes with five defensive backs or, or even in dime when they go six defensive backs. Uh, but, uh, man, there's going to be opp- opportunities to play him on the outside as well, again, as they try to keep everybody fresh. I'm going to keep coming back to that fresh statement. They're going to rely on their young guys. They're not going to be so, so uh, conservative about putting true freshmen out there, if they think that they're ready to play, they're going to play them, and they're not going to hesitate. It's uh, it's interesting to think about what's going to happen there at oh, and Kenai Walker. I mean, they brought. I always forget about Kenai Walker too. Sorry, Josh, to interrupt you, but that's a guy that was that was getting a lot of hype in last fall camp, but we didn't really see much of him. Now, with a year under his belt, maybe this is the year where he puts it together too. Came over from Louisville. If I have. Louisville, if uh, I if I have my memory correct, and you know it, uh, you know you mentioned the continuity component to this. Well, there's another guy in Kenai Walker that really didn't arrive at Oklahoma with this decorated track record of a ton of experience. Younger guy, okay, so now you come over, new spot, new system. And oh, by the way, it's you know not as though you come to Oklahoma like, say, uh, C.J. Colden did from Wyoming, where you, you had a bunch of experience and in, in pass breakups and you know a couple of interceptions and everything. Here's somebody that now is further down the road, ha- has been here and has been working at this thing. So it wouldn't be shocking if Kenai Walker does wind up emerging as a legitimate playmaker for Oklahoma at corner. What about Dolby? You know, a la the uh, the path that we saw from uh, CJ Colden just a season ago, again, wouldn't be, wouldn't be a total surprise to see Dolby be the name that emerges next to Woody Washington too. And, you know, again, for Woody Washington, I think that it's, uh, you know, he's not the big question at corner, but can he for his own individual, uh, you know, his own individual purposes, can he go, first of all, a be healthy for the entirety of a season. That's unfortunately, I mean, that's that's going to be out of your control at times, but hopefully that happens for him first. And then secondly, you know, paired with, you know, maybe guys that have been around now all of a sudden, John. And so that that lifts their play, the defensive line, just the uh, the the tide lifting all ships here across the board for Oklahoma. Hopefully that helps this cornerback play for OU and that can go make a Woody Washington some money. Because I think that if we can see him deliver what we haven't maybe totally seen yet, which is a start-to-finish uh, start consistent season for Woody Washington, I think he's somebody that can go get paid. But again, you know, I think that, again, uh, that hinges on a lot of, lot of other items. It's not just on Woody Washington, right? I mean, it's what does that corner opposite him look like? How much better is just Oklahoma collectively, defensively? That's, uh, as you, you think about corner, there's, I guess what I'm saying is, questions for Woody Washington to answer as well for Oklahoma. Yeah. He's one of those guys that has to improve. I mean, everything has to be better on the defensive side of the football. And while Woody Washington had a solid year, I mean, that's everybody. Everybody's got to be better on defense for them to be better on defense. I'm pretty sure I speak for all of us. Jonathan says, uh, when I say all we really care about is the kicker punter battle. 
I mean, Zach Schmidt's got to hit better than 66% of his field goals. When you lose games by three points and your kicker is only 66%, you got to be better. Uh, punter, I mean, they got to be better than what they were in the spring game, but there was a lot of wind that day too. So who knows how much of that affected it? It's special teams matters. We might not talk about it a much, very much, but when it's not good, you talk about it a lot. So hopefully that's something that improves because they, you know, you don't have Michael Turk. Uh, the punter battle is going to be fascinating between Luke Elzinga and other guys that I don't have off the top of my head right now. Uh, but Zach Schmidt's got to be better. You got to get something out of your return game this year because Marvin Mims was really good on punt returns. Jaleel Farouk really good at kick returns. We'll see what direction they go on that. Any thoughts on special teams before we get out of here, Josh? Yeah, I'm, you, it's a little too close to home for me with the the Iowa beat as well. So uh, we got to avoid any situations where punting is winning. I can just <laughs> <laughs> just speaking from experience there, uh, everybody. We you know look, uh, yeah, obviously we want to see that improved at Oklahoma, but let's avoid too many special teams conversations. Would be a positive sign. That's right. That's right. I mean, Zach Schmidt, I mean, helped out a lot on like fake field goals and things like that. So now I just need him to like hone in on the uprights and kick it in between those two. So we'll, we'll, we'll find out more about the special team stuff as fall camp goes along. We'll, I'm sure we'll get some, some knowledge as to who's kind of leading the different battles. Um, so we'll see. That's going to do it for this week's episode of Locked On Sooners Live. Always a fun time to be hanging out with y'all on a Monday night. Again, every Monday night, 9 p.m. Central Time, we'll have you covered all season long. Make sure you're subscribed to the show wherever you get your podcasts. We're free and available on all platforms and on YouTube. Hit that notification bell to let you know when new episodes drop. Follow Josh on Twitter at JoshOnRef. Follow myself at John9Williams. The show is at Locked On Sooners. Find the link. Hit the Discord chat up. Talk Oklahoma Sooners football, recruiting, softball, baseball, basketball, whatever it is. You got an NFL team you want to talk about? We can talk about that too with you. Josh wants to talk Kansas City Chiefs. I'll talk Dallas Cowboys with you all day long. Go do it over in the free Discord set, server that we got set up. We'll drop the, the link in the episode description as well. But until next time, he's Josh Helmer. I'm John Williams. Catch you then. Boomer Sooner.